Hey, canners, it's time for 30 minutes of unadulterated and uncensored shenanigans. Get ready to call HR because you're going to need sensitivity training after this. Gear up because it's going to hurt worse than writ training in July. Welcome to the Can Man Radio Show with your host, Jason Liska. Welcome back to the Can Man Radio Show, guys. I'm your host, Jason Liska, and tonight we're going to talk about quite a few things. Talk about an exciting week we had last week uh, with the Cornerstone Group, which is the new venture of the Can Man and Five Bugles Institute. We're going to talk about leadership, foundational leadership, succession planning, and various other things that uh, fall in line with your career path. And all that and more coming up in this 30 minutes of the Can Man Radio Show. So again, thanks for joining us. And the more I think about it, you know, every time I get behind the mic, it really brings me to a place of happiness. You know, I mean, when you think about what we do uh, in this world as uh, professional firefighters or volunteer firefighters, you know, we do a pretty great job. You know, we have a a code we follow, you know, code of being mentors, brothers, uh, brothers in battle. And because of that, I, I really really feel that, you know, we we need to stand up to that. We need to rise to that. And we need to make sure we meet those expectations every day. Um, you know, we, we put ourselves out there at times. And, you know, there are plenty of great firefighters, wonderful minds, and brilliant leaders who are surpass me any day of the week when it comes to their experience, their knowledge, their credentials, and credibility. But I'm going to tell you something. It takes a lot to put yourself out there. It takes a lot to put yourself out there and, and actually uh, stand up and, and, and say something, you know, especially with the world we live in and the world of social media firefighters and people who claim to know the best of everything. You know, it's hard and it's uh, incredibly intimidating at times. But, you know, I, I want to stick to my wheelhouse and, and my respect to all of those great firefighters out there and many organizations that I support and who have supported me throughout the last couple of years. And you know who you are um, and my many friends who have been with me since, you know, day one and in this venture is the Can Man. So thank you again from the bottom of my heart and really allowing me to gain my confidence and stand out as a uh, as a next generational leader, helping you guys become the same. So moving forward, let's talk about last week. The Cornerstone Group, which is the entity that myself and my, my good friend Mark uh, Goldfeder created, uh, had created a program called Foundational Leadership, the Build Your House program. And 
In the course of this uh, program, we've been able to identify the structural components that reinforce what makes a good leader, what makes you a solid contributing member to your service. And we were able to address various issues with regards to the sometime need for maintenance and renovations where you know I have been in my career. And uh, one of those avenues involved me almost losing this job. And it's uh, hard to sometimes swallow that pill, but the reality of it is I, I almost didn't have a job in this profession back in uh, 2012 to 2014. It's one of the hardest uh, periods of my life. I, I was dealing with uh, lots of stuff. My wife was very sick. Uh, she was diagnosed with cancer. My mom had a relapse in her cancer in 2012 as well and passed in, in August of that year uh, during the course of my wife's recovery. My father had been recovering from his cardiac episodes and I was making mistakes at work and really screwing things up. And it was hard because, you know, I lost the respect of my peers. I was uh, basically written off and discounted and I was mad at the world and I wanted to just give up. And I just wanted to look for something better because I knew there had to be something better than Lake County. But you know, every chance I had for something better, it got, it got turned down. I was told no, I was basically rejected. And that's a very humbling feeling to be rejected when you want something so bad. It's, it, it's, it's a kick in the ass actually, but it's humbling when you have to recover from that. And some people recover and others stay jaded. You know, we were dealing with uh, a time in our career where there were no raises, our economy was just coming out of the major downturn. You know, we're still really fresh in that world of debt. And, you know, it was very fortunate that I had some mentors in my life and, 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 a, and a reality that I had to face. And something hit me one day and it made me realize that, you know, if my fire chief wanted rid of me, what value would I be to another department walking in there with a chip on my shoulder? So I had to come to grips with my reality. And that reality was, what can I do to make this right? So I ask you this, where have you been in your career? If you're there now or you feel like you're heading that way, you're asking yourself, what can I do next? What can I change? Well, you have the power to make anything happen. And if it means changing careers, that's fine. Do it for the right reasons. Don't do it chasing the dollar because the grass isn't always greener on the other side just because it looks that way. I say this to a lot of my people that uh, a lot of my, my friends and mentees that you know I work with, my peers, and I say, you know, in the words of the great Donovan Miller, you got to fertilize your own yard, you know, plant the seeds and make them grow. And sometimes... Just like in the principles of foundational leadership, you have to renovate the house. You have to make changes. You have to do it because if you don't, you're going to have resentment and anger, and you're going to not appreciate every gift that's been given to you in this profession. Because quite honestly, it is a gift, and I'm not professing to be the greatest of anything, but I will tell you that there is a love for this profession called the fire service, and I think we talked about that from my early days, you know, when I first got into this at 14 years old, a young kid with no knowledge of what I was really doing, and here I am today as a 42-year-old man, a father, two kids looking to follow in my footsteps. 
And not just that, but I've got the blessing of a wife of 22 years who's still with me every day and is supporting me, who has maintained me, okay, has kept me in check, my integrity. And I'll tell you, that's not an easy job. You know, I'm, I'm not an easy person to get along with. But, you know, getting back to New Smyrna, it was just a blessing to uh, work with uh, Chief Shizzle and Chief Vandermark. He, they, they run a great department. They're an excellent team of leaders. And it shows that they care about the direction of their department by willing, being willing to open up to new ideas and new concepts. And that's a hard thing to do. I mean, just like my brother Mark said in the, in the thing, firefighters hate two things, change and the things that stay the same, essentially. And we are a culture that wants to evolve. I mean, if any of you know about the 16 Life Safety Initiatives, you know that change is what brought about these initiatives, the need for change. And we talk about it very heavily. One specific was uh, initiative number 13, which was access to uh, mental health and uh, counseling and care for the families affected by the loss of a brother or sister. And, um, you know, it's something that hit home hard for him and bringing statistics in. And it's more than just the line of duty deaths that we face every day with the average being 100. We're plus or minus 73 firefighters right now that have committed suicide. And these are not firefighters that um, didn't exhibit signs or symptoms necessarily. Some did, some didn't. You know, sometimes we cover things up because, you know, we're afraid to talk to our peers. I can tell you this, though, when we looked at that room and asked them, each of them, you know, more or less as a group, how many of them have ever felt down on themselves to the point where they considered it? While no one raised their hands, the eyes told the story. Every one of their eyes welled up in a sense, and you could just see it. We all suffer in this job. We all have unfortunate side effects that go with this job. You know, the things we see, the things we do, you know, it's hard to process. It's hard to accept. But, you know, at the end of the day, one thing I do know is that we have each other and that there's hope and that there's a tomorrow to look forward to. And you just have to be grateful for today grateful for the opportunity that God gave you to be on this earth. Because quite frankly, if you're not, well, then, you know, it's going to be harder on you to see the the good things, okay, in life and, and be positive. And of course, you know, there are plenty of groups out there, firefighters, your brothers, your peers, the whole nine yards that are there to help you and ready to go if you need them at a moment's notice. And I'm going to use one as an example. If you look at the next rung foundation, um, Blake Stinnett from Sandy Springs, uh, Georgia, he is uh, one one heck of a dude. He created Next Rung, and uh, it is designated as a as a source for help. Okay, for firefighters facing uh, troubles in their life, in their private life, their professional life, in their mind, and you know, in their relationships, and you know, these are things that um, you know come uh, far too often. Uh, we deal with them on a daily basis, and we sometimes forget that we have to be able to process and vent, and be able to release this and let it go, so it doesn't sit with us forever. But you know. As we progress, we will get stronger, we will persevere, we will get through, we will be there for our family because one thing we know we have to do is we have to pay it forward constantly to ensure that the next generation has it better than we did because quite frankly, what 
what our predecessors left us was better than the way they found it. So always maintain that mentality. Leave it better than you found it. So, you know, moving forward, I want to talk to you about one of the discussions we had. And and it hit close to home for me because I've been watching this trend happen uh, for the last decade. And it seems like with hiring freezes and uh, no movement in rank and various other reasons and people jumping ship for other departments, you know, we we have, uh, in a greater sense, lost our perspective on the concept of succession planning. And because of that, I feel like we, as a culture, are losing out on our greatest source of strength as far as knowledge goes with our 25 and uh, some 30-year people and even 20-year people that are looking to exit stage left. And what I found is that as we become a younger service and the generational gap is wide, unfortunately it's very wide with the average age being 25, 26 in the fire service today, not 35, not 36, but 25 and 26. And these are, you know, the brothers and sisters that are promoting up through the ranks and, you know, looking to achieve status and potentially chief level officer positions. And while they uh, have definitely the drive and determination to get there and the will, does it necessarily mean that we're ready for that role at that age? Does it mean that we're ready to take these responsibilities on? I think company officers are a great starting point for most anyone in their career, especially if you're in a department that doesn't have a driver engineer's position per se. You have that luxury of being able to work up and you have that ability to drive, you get that experience. And so that helps groom you. But, you know, what is succession planning? You know, it involves a lot of things, all right? It's more than just the concept. What are we doing to prepare the next generation to take over for the generation leaving? How are we preparing the firefighters of today to become the drivers of tomorrow, to take the place of the lieutenants who are leaving, you know, the next generation? And then, of course, our chief officers that are really at the point where, you know, 30 years is enough. They're done. 35 years, 40 years in some cases. What are we doing? How are we educating? How are we paying it back in a sense? So I think it's important to understand that succession planning definitely offers the opportunity to not only retain some of that uh, history and culture and tradition that goes with your department, but it gives room for the expansion on those concepts because culture can evolve. And, and history has indicated that, has dictated that, has mandated that in most cases. But, you know, at the same time, we also have to consider that um, tradition is something that our profession is very, 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 uh, it's very sacred to us. And tradition can be started today. It can be something as uh, old as uh, 100 to 200 years old, depending on the department. You know, it can date back to the days of Benjamin Franklin when he was a volunteer firefighter. But then again, most departments, you know, have their tradition and it's, it's it, depending on their culture. It comes down to how they treat their people, what they expect of their people, you know, what they do to honor them, the retirees, their promotions, the, you know, the, the, the whole 
whole process. Um, one of the things that really uh, caught my attention was when a friend of mine went to a graduation ceremony for a couple of friends who left our department and joined another department. And it blew his mind when they had junior firefighters standing there, you know, barely out of probation and full dress uniform, escorting all of the retired members of that department to their seats and acting as their personal attaché or attaché for the night. So that was their valet. That was their, uh, their, their uh, assistant, you know, their personal assistant. Anything they needed was covered you know, was taken care of if they needed something to drink, if they needed information, if they wanted to get together with the chief or whatever, you know, that was their job to ensure that their needs were met. How many of you can honestly say that your department's ever done that? How many of you guys can say, wow, you know, that's a pretty neat perspective to take care of your retirees. You honor those who served before you because they paid a price greater than sometimes even the sacrifice that some have made for us. So you have to think about what does the term succession planning mean to you? Are we just using the word in the aspect of making sure we have qualified people to move up in the ranks? Or are we really truly harnessing on our potential, on our culture, on our mindset, on our thoughts, and looking at them all, evaluating their strengths, and then on top of that, evolving them, okay? Or, you know, defining them in a sense that we know what we need to do in order to get you from point A to point C, for that matter, which is the letter C for chief, if that's the route you want to go. So succession planning to me is a very crucial thing, and I've learned a lot about it over the course of the last couple of years and its value. You know, I, I interviewed for a department uh, not long ago for a battalion chief role, and, and it really caught my attention when I told you the statistics, the average age of leadership, the reason why they were looking outside their average lieutenant was uh, less than six years on and was between 24 and 25 years old. And that's pretty scary, you know, that's pretty scary. But moving forward, talking about more about New Smyrna, you know, the experience overall was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you how much of a blessing it is to be able to get into uh, another department and, and share these thoughts, these ideas. We got a lot of great feedback. Um, we, we got a lot of really awesome feedback that helped evolve our program, uh, even in the course of the two days. And, and now we were given an invitation to come teach uh, for another department, which we'll be doing in September. And uh, not just that, but we'll be hopefully teaching at uh, Fire Rescue East, uh, our foundational leadership program, our track. We'll have three different uh, versions of it, uh, from the ground level to the company officer level to the chief level, basically. Um, you know, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to push forward and we're going to keep doing what we do because the goal is to get to FDIC. The goal is to get to the mecca of training and... Uh, start living up to the expectations that our predecessors set uh, for us, you know, and we look at our predecessors like uh, Salka and, and, and uh, Bobby Halton and so on and so forth. And these are legends, you know, that um, we, we need to honor Lasky. Okay. Lasky is a big, a big name and, and uh, someone that my, my partner in crime is uh, an admirer of. 
and thinks that, uh, you know, the leadership principles that he lays down are, are second to none. And I find great value in them because one of the best things I ever heard was, if you can't meet the expectation, here's the door. And, you know, while we say that, sometimes people take that out of context. But the reality of it is you're put into a position where there are high expectations. There are standards that are set that you need to meet or exceed. And if you can't, just like with any other profession in this world, if you're not a good lawyer, if you're not a good doctor, guess what? Maybe you should find something else because it's not meant to be. But far too many people don't realize that. Again, our profession is a calling, all right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle choice in a sense because of what we do and the harm we put ourselves into knowingly and willingly. It's like a soldier going into battle. You know, we, we put ourselves out there daily and you don't know what's to come, you know? It's more than just walking across the street and get hit by a car by any day, any means, any, any possible way. It's more or less a, we know that we're probably going to get hurt or something bad could happen to us on just about any situation we go to. So, you know, there's an acute awareness of this and a, and a respect and an admiration and an appreciation. And, you know, that's why I think that people often miss, uh, there, there's a misconception as to what we do and what's glamorized and what's seen on TV versus what actually happens in real life. And, you know, that being said, I'm going to transition into how we closed everything with uh, New Smyrna. You know, we, we talked about ethics in the fire service and we talked about the importance of our conduct, you know, one of those uh, components being what do we do outside of the fire department? And I'm not saying you guys have to walk around like priests. First and foremost, that's, that's not going to happen. Um, but I, I think that we far too often forget that there are expectations we have to live up to. And that is the image we portray outside of our department it reflects on our department's culture and mentality and its attitude and its standards and its values. And I think that people often forget that just because they're not on the clock, that what they do has no direct effect. Well, that, that's not the case. And we shared a couple of stories of firefighters who Unfortunately, it was uh, drinking in most cases and public indecency and intoxication that led them to their trouble. One kind of nuked his career, you know, and, and brazen, you know, was brazen enough to tell, you know, the law enforcement officials that he was a battalion chief of 30 years and basically how dare you. And uh, not only got arrested once, uh, but did a second time within 24 hours and then just hours after that a third time at the same airport in his municipality. And then I want to talk about the two guys who ended up getting the DUI, you know, both of them at two different points at beginning of the year and middle of the year. They both ended up getting a DUI at different times for various uh, obvious reasons. And, you know, the, what stood out in that one was the fact that their chief was willing to stand by their side. And, and they acknowledged, though, that they made a mistake. They knew they screwed up. So it was, uh, it was quite a statement uh, the chief made when he said, yeah, they screwed up, but I invested in them. I and the city have a uh, longstanding investment and it's paying off in dividends and the mistake they made, all right, can be dealt with 
and we will maintain and they will pay the consequences and their restitution and they will do what's required of them in the eyes of the court. But at the end of the day, you are an investment in your department and a chief who fails to realize that has lost perspective in some cases with their with their people, I think. It's more than just the role, it's the fact that the chief officer is the protector of the department. All right, and the other structural components associated with that are down through the division chiefs to the battalion chiefs and district chiefs and so on. But I want you guys to remember something. You are valuable, okay? Whether you want to believe it or not, whether you want to use the I'm just a number mentality or not, there are chiefs out there that realize that they put the time, the effort, you have the years of service, the costs of training associated with that. So there's value in what you bring to the table. So use that as your moral compass, as your guiding light, the value that you bring in this profession and the expectations that come with it. When you are out and about and you may be heading down that road of making a bad decision like getting behind the wheel of a car or a boat, an ATV or some type of other vehicle, or you get into an argument with your spouse and things get heated and well, there might be a shoving match, you know, or God forbid, you know, you have an issue that you need to discuss with someone before it becomes a bigger issue, and it's something that uh, you can confide in somebody with. I think that right there uh, speaks uh, to the the fact that the the value entity of who you are uh, will help resolve this matter um, for you. So, I'm going to close on this. We'll talk a little bit more about this the next time. <clears throat> And it's the, uh, it's the three tiers of stability. I want you to think of yourselves at three different levels and evaluate these levels in closing. One, being the mentor, okay? Biblically speaking, Paul was the mentor to Matthew, and Matthew was the mentee who carried the gospel, all right? And moved through as an apostle, okay, and was the message uh, giver in a sense. And then they have the Peter, who is the confidant, and everybody has a Peter, whether you realize it or not. You're, you're Peter, all right, or Barnabas in some cases, is the person that you can look at and say, hey, you know what, you screwed up, or I screwed up and I need to hear from you what I, I need to do to make my life right. You know, they're the people that can connect. They're the people that can get through to you. So, you know, you have your Paul, who is your, your mentor. You have your Peter, who is your confidant. And you have your Matthew, okay, who is your mentee. We have all been a Matthew. Some of us are Peters to others. And then, of course, those of us who are growing in this profession and looking at opportunities to be good leaders, we act as the Pauls because we want to pay it forward as our mentors paid it forward for us. But again, we're going to talk about that more in the next episode. And I want to thank you, as always, for giving me your time and giving me your, uh, your, your, your ear. You know, it's been very much a blessing in order to get this process done. So I look forward to seeing you again, and I wish you guys nothing but the best. Stay safe out there. Keep your head on a swivel, and God bless. You just survived 30 minutes of online training with the Can Man Radio Show. Did you remember to train your probie today? 
The Can Man knows he knows everything. When that 2 a.m. lift assist drops, the Can Man will be thinking of you in his dreams.